there's a danger in, in platforming these individuals. Uh, these are often individuals who really want to be identified. They want to, people know what they're doing. But what I tried to do is highlighted the ridiculousness of it. Forgotten Corner Podcast would not exist without our listeners. If you enjoy the work we are doing on this show and would like to support further, please consider a donation through our Patreon account, patreon.com backslash Forgotten Corner Pod, or visit our website, forgottencornerpod.com. Welcome back to the Forgotten Corner Podcast. We acknowledge that the Forgotten Corner occupies unceded Indigenous land. We acknowledge that the Blackfoot Confederacy never surrendered its land in the signing of Treaty 7, but agreed to share it. The Forgotten Corner sits on Treaty 7 and Treaty 4 territory, traditional lands of the Siksika, Kainai, Pekani, Stony Nakoda, and Sutina, as well as the Cree, Sioux, and the Soto bands of the Ojibwa peoples. We also honor and acknowledge that we are on Métis Nation within Region 3. The Forgotten Corner is a proud member of the Harbinger Media Network, and I promised Jeremy we could name three podcasts from the network today. So, Jeremy, give us three podcasts. Uh, Darts and Letters, Big Shiny Takes, and um, uh, 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 The Rob Russo Show. So what you're saying is that your big complaint last week about not reading off any shows was that you were... The big deal was that we weren't promoting your other podcast enough. No, I really like Darts and Letters, actually. You should all listen to that. Um, very well-produced show, uh, relatively recent addition to the network. Um, <laughs> but anyways, we're, I mean, th- this is good for you, Scott, because we're going to have you on Big Shiny Take soon. I know, I know. I, uh, I, got the, uh, I got the big DM from the producer, so I guess it's real. I guess... Yeah. Uh, once you're a repeat guest, that means you're doing it on purpose at this point. So I should be flattered. Yeah. Um, I never really got to that part, but my name is Scott Schmidt. If you haven't actually heard the show before and uh, my co-host, Jeremy Appel from uh, sitting back there in Calgary, how, how are things out there right now? Uh, they're good. They're good. You know, we, uh, we removed the uh, fascists from uh, the downtown core, which was cool. I don't know nice. if he's talking about that uh, in much detail. Right? I was in Forest Lawn yesterday. Oh, is that right? That's yeah. not too far from me. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. In fact, we came down 17th Avenue in order to go to the high school. And I was thinking about you as. as oh, you probably passed my apartment. Uh, if I, I came from the uh, like the stony trail side up toward the high school oh, okay. so i don't think so I got you're as 17th far as... avenue southeast yeah i don't i didn't get it i didn't get i didn't get that far no, okay. that close anyways i'm not gonna reveal anymore about where what I we're not gonna talk to you that's bullshit that's my favorite part of the show i wanted yeah. to tell you this week because like last a couple of weeks ago we talked about captain kobe right i i hadn't really heard of the guy and i finally got my first uh sort of like impress my first taste of uh he had a quite the thread rant oh <laughs> holy shit unhinged much anyway uh that is uh a guy that is literally hitting every psychological thing i predicted when you were telling me about him like he is just not secure in his yeah following he's like, a loser. He, he's just you know what i mean like you can tell when somebody uh 
has that security. And he he kind of reminds me of a guy that like has no security in what he's doing, but also thinks he should be allowed to do whatever he wants because he has that sort of privilege ingrained. So anyway, uh, we don't have to talk about Tim today, but it, it is. I, well, exact- I would say. I would say our guest today is sort of the anti. That was my transition plan of that. Yes, you stole it. But yes, our guest, our guest today is actually the exact opposite of that because our guest today um, really is the, 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 the example of somebody that was trying to do something just for the good and decency of doing it. And uh, in fact, being, being revealed to the world was something that he worked uh, quite hard for a long time to not have happen. Uh, so I'm really excited about this episode. I know you are. So why don't we just get right to it? Yeah, it's um, that show. Yeah. So our guest this week is probably just a little more well-known at this point than he'd ever intended. And for about 12 years, his goal of anonymity was fulfilled. But by 2020, the inevitable happened and Kirk Phillips was revealed to the world as the voice behind the popular blog, Anti-Racist Canada. Phillips has since moved on from the blog and is now a board member for the Canadian Anti-Hate Network, an organization which itself was inspired by the work he'd been doing. We now know that Phillips is just a quiet high school teacher in rural Alberta whose biggest threat throughout the early days of blogging was likely his own tech skills. But if his big reveal was underwhelming for those who tirelessly worked for years to unmask him, it is, if nothing else, a prime example how, how, how one person really can enact change in this world. So it is with great pleasure that we welcome this quiet crusader to our program. Mr. Phillips, welcome to the Forgotten Corner. Uh, thank you for having me. Really, really appreciate having you on. And uh, um I suppose uh, when you first started this gig, this was something you didn't think you would ever have to be part of. And now you're sort of a sought after uh, podcast guest because the search of your name brings you up on a few different ones. Um, yeah, it's, it's been surreal uh, over the last <laughs> couple of years. Uh, it's been strange. I've been doing podcasts. I've been doing, uh, I, I've done two live uh, news broadcasts, one of which I didn't realize was live until like a uh, five seconds before so i was glad i put on a decent shirt uh, <laughs> but yeah it's, it's been it's been odd um it's certainly like you said it's certainly not something i sought after well and and that's uh i think that's a an important thing uh it's it's crazy to us because um obviously we started with our names in it and then um we're trying to get our names out there but you were trying to do something with with having the exact opposite uh sort of goal in, in mind. Now, before we really get into anti-racist uh, Canada, um, what we do on the Forgotten Corner is we make people sort of take us back and give us the life story. Um, so we kind of want to hear about uh, who you are and, and where you're from and sort of what took you to high school teaching in Southern Alberta and, and beyond. So uh, we'll let you uh, have the mic. Uh, sure. I'm always kind of weirded out about what to say about myself. Uh, I, I grew up in Saskatchewan originally. I was uh, born in Estevan, then my uh, family moved to Shawnavon for a short time, so that was in the southwest of the province, and then moved back to Estevan. Um, my I, family has a cottage at Kenosi Lake, actually. Oh, nice. Yeah, actually, it's funny. I've got My family's got a, a, a an extended family as a family reunion at Kenosi Lake this summer, so I'll be I'll be driving there this uh, this summer to, to see them. Oh, I'm going on the summer. We might be be there at the same time. I'm crashing your part. I'm crashing the Phillips reunion. Yeah. If that's when, the when, case. when will you be there? Because I'll be. Uh, I, I probably shouldn't tell exactly when I'll be there, but uh, that's right. Uh, we probably yeah. shouldn't. But uh, well, I, my holidays are, be, are being worked out right now. But uh, so we haven't actually 
picked our dates. So we'll talk off air about that. But, fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, sorry. Anyways, from no Estevan, I thought that was great. But anyways. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I grew up in Estevan. Uh, I went to school there, uh, 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 Estevan Comprehensive School. Um, I, 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 my first degree is act, uh, in fact in anthropology. I, I went to school at the University of Regina, uh, got my degree in anthropology, and I worked for a few summers as an archaeologist. Um, sadly, I found that with a bachelor's degree in anthropology at that point, I was uh, at least I found myself qualified to sell shoes at Sport Check and uh, work as a telephone banking representative. Uh, so uh, the teaching thing was kind of, I guess, I had a friend, uh, still have a friend, he's still a friend. Um, he's, uh, he was, he became a teacher right out of high school. So, you know, went right, right to teacher college. Um, and it was a teacher at that time and really, really enjoyed the experience. Um, I was somebody who was never really, although all, all that interest in teaching for, for a while, just because I saw how some of us treated our teachers. Um, so I thought, nah, it's not really my thing, but you know, I found myself positioned there. Eh, well, maybe I'll, maybe I could give this thing a try. If I don't like it, if it's not something that's for me, um, I could do something else. So I went back to school, got my degree in education, English, uh, minor, uh, history major. Um, I interviewed, uh, the, the, the school division I got my, uh, my job in ultimately was the very first interview I had. Uh, they were doing interviews at the university and uh, I kind of went there, you know, people said, oh, you go there. And I thought, well, I'll get some practice out of it. Not never thinking anything would come of it. Um, so I did that interview. Then I did a whole bunch of other interviews and, you know, so I was getting called like, well, you were the second person on the list. Second, well, uh, great. That doesn't really help me at this point. Uh, then I got a call from the school division for drum working. So, well, we have two interviews, one for or one, uh, two positions open, one for drum heller, which is a new, new high school that's opening up. We're starting with grade 10. We're, we're K to nine and we'll be, you know, starting grade 10, uh, next year and then or this 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 year um or or in brooks so i drove to drumheller and it was bizarre because i i, I never I, the last time i was in alberta i was i think four uh, it was actually in medicine hat i've got relatives who live in medicine hat and um i drove i drove there it was a long drive eight hours eight well it's actually nine hours i drove creatively yeah um, <laughs> I, 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 and I, I was told it was in the Badlands and like, well, I mean, looks like flat prairie to me. And yeah. and I get to the hill going down, I go, oh, oh, there it is. Um, so um, I stayed, stayed at the Badlands Motel. Uh, we ate at Whiffs, which is uh, the restaurant that's attached to it, known for its, uh, its breakfasts. Uh, did my interview and then drove back home, uh, kicking myself the entire, this time nine hours, uh, thinking I blew that interview. I, I was so awful at it. I, I was convinced that not only would I not get the position at, either in at Dremhell or in Brooks that, you know, they might put me on some sort of blacklist. I was, I was so bad. <laughs> now I, I, I tend to be a little bit more self-critical maybe than I should be, but um, later that week I was back home. Uh, I was actually working and doing an archaeological dig at the time. And I got a call uh, when I was visiting home. I, my, my family's gone. My brother was out. Um, so I took, I took the phone, uh, and I got a call from, um, a woman named Don and I've, I've subsequently found that Don knows everything about every single person in the division. I don't know how her memory works. Uh, she knows things I've forgotten about, about right. myself. Um, anyways, she says, and she starts off, well, first Kurt, I like to think there was a lot of wonderful candidates and I'm thinking, oh, well, thank you for the opportunity. If there's ever, but well, you know, the drill, we'll right? keep your name on file. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Um, and then she said, I'd like to offer you the position in Drumheller. And I remember like my brain kind of broke because I thought, what? Um, and, oh, can I, can I think about it for a moment? 
doctors, oh yes, and you know, can you call us in three days, one way or the other, let us know, blah, blah, blah. Uh, so I hung up the phone, sat there for three minutes and picked up and accepted the job immediately, essentially. Um, I was just, you know, I, 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 I was, you know, I just didn't think it was going to happen. But um, long story short, this is my 20th year in Drumheller. Now, uh, sorry, Jeremy, well, you look like you got something to say, bud. Yeah, what school board is the uh, Drumheller? Christ Redeemer. Um, oh, okay, you're a Catholic Yeah, teacher. I'm a Catholic teacher, I'm a Catholic teacher. So, so do you teach catechism? Uh, I actually do teach a, a religion class right now, religion nine. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, assignments I have anyways. I was like, what foods is here again? Does it ever get complicated, um, you know, having to explain dinosaurs to uh, students? No, no. I mean, uh, one thing about, you know, uh, again, I'm a very, let's just say, on the polit- uh, the political left of the uh, of my 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 particular faith, um, but even then, I mean, there's no uh, contradiction between uh, belief in evolution and a belief in in uh, in God. Uh, I don't think there needs. There to be certainly any- doesn't have to be. No, there doesn't. For some people, are I mean, there is a uh, yeah. A, there is a creationist mu- museum in Big Valley that I've been to a couple of times. Just be- th- the first time I went, just just to be angry. Uh, and the second time, I, I I do admit I might have gone to kind of make fun of it. Um, I, I came across a couple of Germans that were that were actually no Germans, they were Swiss uh, that were there as well. And my friend at the time and I were looking at things. And when they came in, she kind of sidles up to me and says, "Hey, I, th- I think they're kind of on our our side." So I, I kind of stood beside one of them. I go, "So, what do you think of this?" And he kind of side eyes me. He goes, "What do you think of this? You know, depends on what you think of this." <laughs> and he goes, he goes, I don't believe any of this. Oh, thank God, neither do we. Um, but it was, it was, it's amusing. Um, but yeah, I, in terms of dinosaurs, it, the, the frustration I have is my first degree is in anthropology. I worked as an archaeologist. So people tell me, oh, you must love living in Drumheller with all the dinosaurs. And I'm like, no, I don't. Uh, I, I, dinosaurs are fine. They have nothing to do with archaeology. I've said, if somebody, if somebody puts that, ex, uh, if I find a dinosaur in my excavation unit, somebody's fucking with me. <laughs> I, I love the giant dinosaur um, right by. I've through Drumheller is great. Yeah. That's it, how it I go was, to Edmonton. I don't I don't go through Calgary because Drumheller is so pretty. Um, it's, I want to. It's, it's very nice. Yeah. Is that all? The, I mean, most people don't stay in their very first teaching job for twenty some odd years. Twenty four, I think you said. So how exactly uh, do you end up uh, enjoying it so much that you stay for that long? Well, I was lucky. The community we have here is really good. Like with the school community, we became friends. Like we 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 hang out with each other. We uh, travel with each other. It's 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 one of those things where I've talked to other other teachers who work some other schools in the division even, and they don't have the same kind of relationships. So for me, it's 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 something that it was a, the connections I made here. And uh, I'm again, I'm very close to a lot of people, and I couldn't even imagine leaving leaving them. Uh, one of my friends is, you know, she says that she's going to retire in the next two a couple of years, and I go, uh, if you could just, you know, push it off for maybe another ten or so, uh, just, you know, hang out with me still, because I mean, we 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 like each other's company, so um, I've been really fortunate in that. Uh, I was, I had been planning originally that it was going to be a couple of years and out. I had actually been dating somebody in Toronto, um, and the plan had been to go out to be with her uh, at the end of my first year, so I was going to be a year and out. Um, the relationship didn't last, but uh, the job did. And uh, in my at, at year six, I was thinking, well, my parents are getting a little bit older, so maybe I should start looking at finding a place closer to to where they live. Uh, you know, looking maybe Regina, uh, so it's a you know short drive to Estevan if I need to get there. 
um, I went into Regina to interview for, for a position and ultimately I decided, well, no, I, I, I just, I don't really want to leave. I, I like where I'm at. I, I like the people I'm with. I'm like the, the culture of it. Um, even Drumheller, Drumheller is, is, you know, politically is not, well, Alberta is not really where I'm at politically, but I, I love the province. Um, it's, it's, it's. I mean, we're all three of us are all uh, sort of uh, came to Alberta, well, came but with I would... different values than necessarily uh, is normal and or, or talked about in Alberta, and uh, here we are. So, yeah. well, I would say Saskatchewan's probably worse at this point. It certainly has um, become much more conservative. It, it uh, wasn't though when we were growing up. I mean, I maybe maybe Kurt's uh, experience was different, but it really like I grew up during. I mean, at the time, and again, we can get into where the NDP in Saskatchewan actually fell on the spectrum. But I mean, well, yeah, I was Roy Romano. Roy Romano. Yeah, it, it was originally from Esteban, though. Uh, Grant Devine was our was our M MLA. Yeah, really. So I got, yeah, we right, got, right, we got right. lots of stuff in Esteban. Uh, yeah. actually, the, the scholarship I got the uh, the MLA award, and Grant Devine awarded me my scholarship and my 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 award. That's awesome. But, so yeah, Roy I mean, Romano was the guy that uh, who and and Calvert was the guy who. Uh, was there well calvert wasn't there when i was there but you know right where i was like i grew up in ralph goodale's constituency too in regina wascana so like another place where i don't know i just grew up thinking saskatchewan was more progressive than maybe it was or it certainly is now but that's how i i grew up thinking it was pretty pretty progressive and then came to alberta and was really blown away at how conservative it was mm -hmm. um but it could be anecdotal too right like where i was and where i moved to i came to about the most conservative place ever so it's going to seem more conservative than it was where i was yeah, but i i wanted to ask about that drum heller because uh, you know a, a lot of these like very international like touristy towns in alberta um you know they feel a lot bigger than they are at least from my experience as an outsider, I've never lived there, but what's it like living there where all these tourists are like coming and going, but the town itself is, uh, you know, still a small town. Well, it's, it's my, my commute is about seven minutes. And for me, rush hour traffic is, is three cars and I'm like, oh, I got to get across the road. So there, I, I, you have to put things in perspective a bit, right? Um, the, the tourist season really doesn't begin until the, uh, uh, the main long weekend, um, uh, and then it continues up until Labor Day or so. So, uh, for most of the or good portion of the year, it, it's it's a very quiet kind of sleepy little town. Um, during those times when it when it's really busy, uh, I'm actually not often in the city. I, I I'm or in town. I'm I'm often either traveling or visiting my family in Saskatchewan. Uh, I haven't been doing much traveling this you know a couple of years because of, he's got teacher schedule, right? G right, Jeremy. Yes, so exactly. He can go. <laughs> Peace out. I got my options. Uh, but even the, even the last couple of years, I, I've stayed primarily in Drumheller. I went back to Saskatchewan to visit family for a bit. But it, it, it's, it's busy, but not busy. I mean, um, it's there are a lot of people that come in and 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 uh, but I don't I never find it really, really very busy, even even during the busiest season. And it is busy. Uh, there are a lot of people here and they they enjoy the museum, which is pretty spectacular. I mean, yeah, like I said, I'm not a I think I I think I was into dinosaurs for about three weeks when I was six um, and then I got over it. Uh, but um, you know, it, there are people who just love it and, and I understand it's, it's really a fascinating thing. And then the nat just the natural landscape, just going for walks in Horse Thief Canyon, Horse Thief Canyon, or uh, you know, it, it's pretty incredible. Actually behind my house, I could just walk into the hills and be, you know, never not see a human, uh, not see a human for 
for you know as long as I wanted, unless somebody else is walking their dog back there, in which case, and that's okay. But, uh, but yeah, I, I just I just don't find it to be even during the height of of, of tourist season really super busy. Although again, COVID has has been as as it has every small tourist town has certainly taken a taken a hit on us. Um, I have a question I want to ask you that will sort of lead into talking about the the blog that you started because um, one thing as I was reading stuff about you over the last couple of days, I noticed was uh, you off you really hammered home your your um, how important critical thinking is to you as a teacher, and uh, you know all jokes aside about Catholicism or whatever, but I personally find that a great that uh you're uh that's a big thing for you um it what was how did that shape in your life how why did critical thinking become so important was there a mentor in your life was it just your specific upbringing that you were taught these kinds of things because uh, like we kind of do this show from an angle where that's I don't want to say dying, but it's under attack, maybe critical thinking, right? So it's always great to hear uh, educators who that's their big thing. Right. I, I don't know if there's a, a particular person in my life that that uh, talked to me about the importance of critical thinking. Uh, I know it was certainly discussed in, in when I was in university teacher college, that was an important part of the process and teaching critical thinking skills. Um, I think for me, it's been mostly a matter of, uh, you know, recognizing biases and, and recognizing that you go, everybody goes in with a bias. And I tell students, you know, bias it aren't inherently bad. I mean, a, a simple innocuous bias is like, I prefer Rocky Road over over vanilla ice cream, right? Uh, that's a bias. I mean, it, it's not a bad bias, not a good bias, just, you know, it's a, a preference. Um, but biases can be positive. It could be negative, more, more often negative, especially when it comes to, uh, you know, judging people based on ethnicity, gender, sexual orientation, what have you. And I think it's, I always tell, it's important to understand where your biases lie. And one of the biases, of course, that, you know, I have inherited is the fact that I am a uh, white, middle-aged, middle-class cis male. Um, you know, that's, that's something that if I didn't recognize going into, as a teacher and how I relate with my students, uh, particularly at growing uh, number of students who are not uh, white Canadians. They're 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 from uh, they're they're families of immigrants from the Philippines. They're Filipino Canadians. They're uh, Arab Canadians. They're uh, Pakistani Canadians. Uh, uh, Indian. We're, we're 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 Drumheller is not the white bread town it was when I came here when there aren't very many people of color. Uh, it is now, and I think it's really important to understand where biases come from and the privileges that you have in order to really. Uh, I was going to say relate, but you can't like, I'll never know what it's like to be um, discriminated against for housing or to have somebody follow me in a store because of my ethnicity. I mean, um, but to understand that that happens and when people tell you about and talk to you about it, you believe it because that's their lived experience. So for me, critical, uh, critical thinking is, is being skeptical about things, but not, you know, not, not saying this didn't happen, but, you know, investigate, like what happened there and realize that you could be trapped as well. I mean, I, I can't number, count the number of times where I've saw something online. Um, you know, I, I'll give you one example. Um, there was a, 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 a report going out, uh, a news report. It wasn't a news report, but it presented itself as one uh, that claimed to have found Donald Trump's uh, IQ test from when he was in uh, Wharton College and showed he had an 89 IQ. And instinctively, given my political biases, I wanted to believe that. 
Um, I believe it. Well, <laughs> that's right. I, I don't think he's particularly intelligent. Although he's got a, a certain craftiness to him, but I, I investigated that. I mean, I actually a bit looked low. into it. Yeah, and I looked into it, and and uh, well, first of all, the photos of the uh, professors were stock photos. Uh, you know, this person I, I eventually figure out. Well, this doesn't exist, but it showed me too that you know the left. Uh, if you're going to talk about the political left, can be as susceptible to this kind of propaganda. Uh, and, and quote-unquote fake news as anybody else can. And we have to really watch ourselves. So be critical of what, what you're reading, investigate it before you share it. Um, have there been moments where I've you know hit the tweet button and you know sent something off and then regretted it because, oh, no, that's not true. Let's unsend that. Um, yeah, but uh, I think it's important to really be careful about what we what we say, what we do in terms and of- And recognize when you do it, right? Like oh, yeah, we're, absolutely. All, we're all doing some sort of a journalistic work here, right? And so- uh, if you take something like just say, you know, like that admission, right? I can't remember uh, the, the Fox News reporter. We'll get to Ottawa, but the one that said that the reported that the woman was trampled by the horse, right? And then never deleted it, just later on sort of said, waiting for clarification, right? Like never really owned up to it. And then we see the danger that can exist in that kind of information. So I think, like, well, when, well, go ahead, Jeremy. Well, and I think, uh, you know, social media, particularly Twitter, uh, encourages that by, um, you know, you want, you know, everyone wants to be the first to something, go viral, and, um, you know, be that person who, who, who got that. And as a result, sometimes, you know, you fire things off, um, because you're excited, you're like, oh, wow, check this out. And then, yeah, it's not true. And you have to, you know, eat and really the only way to avoid it is to be the opposite to a fault, like to literally just say, like, I never will care that I'm first. And that's hard to do as a journalist because, um, duh, right. You're obviously we're in a competitive world now. Um, I want to get your story on, on how, um, ARC anti-racist Canada became a thing. Um, I've read a little bit about what you what sort of led to it, but I want to hear, of course, uh, the listeners to hear in your words, what made you decide to do something like this, especially I, I made a joke early on that your tech skills were lacking, but you say yourself like you didn't really know what you were doing. It was a primitive kind of ugly website um, and, and off you went. Um, so can you give us the, the story behind ARC? Well, to show you how, how technically inept I am, I started actually on LiveJournal. Um, it, it lasted one article before LiveJournal took it down. Uh, so oh, well, I'll move on to something else that's, that's idiot proof. So, so what year was this? Uh, this was 2007. So uh, I think the first article I ever put up was on LiveJournal. It was, uh, I think, in might have been in july i think it was in july of that year and then it got taken down and i didn't i didn't i decided well i'll find something else to do and uh, another another platform and i found blogger and so the first article went up in november and i actually uh, refer to that first article yeah my first article and uh, the other one didn't uh, didn't last in live journal or i don't think i noted it was live journal but uh, we're going to try this again here and you know 12 years later it was it was still going um, did you try yeah. MySpace? Uh, <laughs> no, I didn't try MySpace, but I did. Uh, I was also on Zanga for a while, not not as a as a um, uh, writing the blog, but I did write a lot of you know personal things on there re related to the reason. Uh, that was another one where I was actually outed. I've actually been outed twice in my life. Um, 
uh, doing the work I did the first time because I was far more arrogant and and full of myself than I should have. But I left a in retrospect, I left a mile long uh, trail to follow me. Uh, the second time was was very different. I was you much did more the careful. thing that others do that allow you to catch them. Yes, precisely. Right. Yeah, what, yeah, I did. what was there like a particular incident or moment where you decided you wanted to um, sort of start track? Yeah, track racism right. for you know as as a as a hobby. As a hobby, uh, I, I I guess I mean it's always been something that's concerned of mine. Like when I was a kid, I remember, you know, my mother grew up in Toronto and she grew up in a, uh, not as multi-ethnic as certainly today, but compared to the prairies much more. And she had friends from all sorts of uh, uh, communities uh, for her racism was, I think my dad grew up in the prairies in Saskatchewan and, you know, conservative uh, farm family, but he also, for him, it wasn't like wasn't a thing that was you, you should you, it, it just wasn't something that he thought you should be discriminated against so i i was a kid when i remember watching my uh, my mother was watching a movie when i was really quite young and it was about the second iteration of the ku klux klan um and i remember being really upset by what they were doing and my mother explaining that those were bad men doing bad things to to good people um and that's something i think that always got in my mind and 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 over the years, I think it might be partly because of my, my first degree is anthropology. Is always, I've always been interested in human nature and why people gravitate towards, uh, I guess you say fringe movements, whether they're uh, religious movements, uh, uh, hate groups. Uh, it's always been fascinating to me. So I have always looked at it from a degree of fascination, but also, I guess, horror, because I, I look at the, 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 how, how the, the harms that this, this does. So I, I, I was very much of an age where I was aware of what was happening with the Heritage Front. Uh, so 1989 to 1994, uh, the largest Canadian hate group since the Ku Klux Klan of the 1920s in Saskatchewan. Um, at the same time, I also was aware of what was happening in Alberta, Saskatchewan, with Carney Nerland shooting Leo Lachance, um, being convicted of manslaughter, shooting a man in the back. Um, Leo Lachance was a native trapper. Uh, Leo, uh, Carney Nerland was a, uh, a member of the Aryan Nations, uh, who a few months before was in Alberta, uh, at an Aryan Nations uh, festival uh, with uh, with uh, the leader there, um, and I, I I remember you know absorbing this and, and listening to this and reading at this and this is of course before the internet so everything's coming like the Leader Post or or uh, CBC or CTV News uh, nightly news uh, but being fascinated also horrified by this was this was a thing so when I went to university. Um, uh, one of the things I, I found myself doing was listening to a lot of short wave, wave radio and picking up like extremist radio stations. And for some people, the concern is radicalization. For me, it was kind of, the, I guess, in some ways, the opposite. Uh, I wasn't radicalized by it in the sense that I was you know, drawn to it in terms of wanting to be that. I was repulsed by it and wanted to stop it as, as best as I could. Um, so when I moved to Alberta, uh, there was a group starting in Edmonton called... Uh, I was, I'm at an age now where I forget the names, but it was called the Western Canada for us. Uh, that's what they said to the media, but it was white Canada for us is what it was. Uh, and I remember the individuals, there was a, uh, uh, they had rallies in Edmonton in uh, Red Deer, I believe it was. Um, and I remember looking at that and actually doing some research, getting onto their forum and finding out who some of them were. So my first uh, example of doxing actually leads from that. 
there's one individual named uh, Bill Noble, who's from BC, who's a member. And I figured out who he was, what his name was, where he worked. And I wrote an article on um, in the media um, about who this person was and what he was doing. Um, this person then wrote about me uh, because again, as I said, I left a mile long trail about myself. I've actually used my first name and my initials in, in when, I, when I logged on to the, uh, uh, onto the, uh, the, the forum, their forum. So actually my name, my, my name, my super secret name is Kurt PH. <laughs> uh, you know, really, really great skills. Uh, and then I, they also found, because he knew exactly what Zanga, you know, the blog I was using. And I mentioned on there that I ran a 10K race in, 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 uh, in Banff that summer. And I said what place I position I finished in. So, yeah, it's, if you couldn't figure out who I was from that, you know, I, you, you, you're not trying. Exactly. So I kind of dropped out for a bit, but it was always still in the back of my mind. Um, uh, later, I started a, a database. So I collected images and, and uh, names and pictures of, and I created a, kind of a secret database that I, I you know, let you know, media and, and uh, uh, activists uh, and journalists were able to use. Um, so, but I really didn't start writing anything again until uh, the Aryan Guard started in, in, in Calgary. And nobody was really writing much about them. Nobody was talking much about the individuals. I was still, even when I was in saying anything i was still very much aware of who who the players were i thought well you know if if, if the media is not going to talk about these people maybe i should and initially the blog was only intended to focus on calgary and and if that one you know that ended or if that ever ended i'd, I'd stop but then you look well there are all these kind of i guess you lose their tentacles they 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 find their way into other provinces or they have links to these groups or you find about this person oh and this person's still active like, like paul from for example has been active since the 1960s um he every single iteration of a hate group he some, somehow manages to uh involve himself and and become almost like a uh you know a mentor or or what have you or certainly somebody you know who's 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 uh got bill Ill, Ill intentions um so I, I just expanded it and i just kept going and going and going and uh, uh until you know, January, 2020, when things changed. <laughs> Did you have expectations for it going in? Because I imagine um, when the result became academics, journalists, and even law enforcement using your blog for uh, useful information for themselves, um, that was probably bigger than you ever expected it to become. Did you, what were you thinking as far as when you started it, like, what were you hoping to get from it? I, I yeah, I, I was, I thought it was really niche. I thought that very few people would look at it. Um, I thought maybe a, a few regular activists would use it as a resource, perhaps. Um, I didn't think it was going to be especially big. Um, uh, uh, but then I would have occasionally journalists would, would contact me. Uh, more often, they wouldn't contact me, but would use the work. Um, and I was actually, people have asked me in retrospect, they say, weren't you angry that you got all this work without being credited? Well, I said, no, I didn't want to be credited in the first place. I wanted to be anonymous. And second of all, I, I wasn't doing it. I wasn't clout chasing. I just wanted it to work for itself. And if it was, if, if media had, which had a much bigger voice than I did, uh, was using this and getting this information out in the right way. And that's important too. It had to be in the right way. Um, I didn't have a problem with that. I was perfectly fine to completely be anonymous and be the snarky jerk that uh, that wrote these articles. Um, 
I didn't think I didn't I, I, I knew it was getting bigger. I knew more people were reading it. But the, the real test of that and real proof of that came when I wrote an article um, in 2017, I think it was. It was actually just uh, as the school year was ending that year. Uh, so it was in, in early, Jan uh, early July. Um, and I wrote an article about uh, an event that took place in uh, Halifax at, at a statue, uh, uh, the Cornwallis statue, where there was an indigenous ceremony. Um, basically, they, they wanted this to be removed, the statue removed. And there were a number of Proud Boys who showed up to harass them. And as it turns out, those Proud Boys were active military. So I, I got their pictures, I identified them, wrote an article, um, put it up there, went to bed. The next day I, I came on and I, I, I often looked at the uh, the analytics just to see you know how many people are taking a look at it, just to see if it was, you know, if there was some interest. Um, and I kind of did a double take because there were already like tens of thousands of, of views already. Um, and then I realized, oh no, hundreds of thousands of views. I missed a zero. Um, this is it was, it was it was one of the biggest articles I've ever written in terms of the 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 content. Uh, it was it it it, and it it enacted some change too. I mean, the media got a hold of it. Uh, the uh, the uh, uh, military brass they kind of were looking into it. Um, so that was one thing. The what really the again, several years into the work, um, but it was the really kind of the first article that I wrote that really showed that this was being picked up. Uh, another one was when Jagmeet Singh was being harassed um, in the, during his leadership campaign. Uh, the woman who was harassing him was also involved in some of these, uh, you know, hate groups that, that I was covering. Again, that got um, a, a significant amount of coverage as well. So it was at that point where I think, well, well, this is actually pretty serious. And I actually for a moment thought, well, maybe I should, maybe I should be more professional. Maybe I should tone down the snark and that, well, I wouldn't be having fun if I was doing that. <laughs> Yeah, I think we both can uh, definitely relate to that. Hundred um, percent. And so this is this is Arc Canada now, right? Yeah, anti-racist Canada. Yeah, yeah. Actually, oh, I just yeah. really Redundant. quickly address the snark. Part of the reason why I, I used humor a lot in it is because there's there's a danger in in platforming these individuals. Uh, these are often individuals who really want to be identified. They want to people know what they're doing. But what I tried to do is highlighted the ridiculousness of it, uh, the incompetence. The, that works with people. And it did. It worked really well. And quite often uh, among my viewers uh, or readers, uh, some of the most uh, uh, devoted were the, the racists themselves. I, I think they, I became their national inquirer for, you know, looking up what their rivals in the hate group and other hate groups were doing. What? They had and, rivals? There's infighting I in know. terrible, horrible groups? You're Shocking, kidding me. Shocking, isn't it? Shocking. And it was so I thought that was only on the left. That's yeah. right. Oh, yeah. How anonymous were you? And I mean, in the sense of like, were there did you have a circle of friends that knew did you have any co-workers or were like did you have did your did people just think you were going home to play Fortnite online and you were doing this secret thing in your basement that literally no one else knew uh very very few people knew um i'm trying to think back to yeah i i i, I think maybe a handful of people knew um even my best friends in, in saskatchewan mark and tammy they knew I was doing something. They, they just thought I was online, like harassing the racist stuff. They had no idea <laughs> like that I was trolling this, people. Yeah, that I was trolling people. Um, so when I was doing it from their house, they go, you better be using a VPN. Um, but, um, but yeah, they had no idea I was doing it. 
some of the people I worked with, uh, you know, the school counselor, for example, she had an inkling in, uh, uh, of what I was doing. She kind of, I, I kind of talked to her about it because she kind of needed a bit of a, a sounding board. Others knew that I was doing anti-racist work. They didn't know precisely what it was. Um, they also, when it, when it did come out, a lot of people, where did you find the time? Because it's not as if I, 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 I went to work and then went home and was a hermit. I, I had a social life. I did things. I went out to, you know, after school on Fridays for drinks. I went to parties. I, I travel a lot. Um, so people are asking, when do I have the time? Well, I mean, one thing is I don't have children. I don't have a, you know, I'm not married. So that frees up some time there. But I, 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 for when I went away, for example, I would, I would key up at least, four or five articles to self-publish while I was gone. And they were always kind of, you know, minor articles. Later on, I did have some help, some people- He's doing were, this at school. Oh yeah, the, I, I got that too. Um, uh, that was fun and had me having to explain, no, no, this, I, you, could, you could set things up. As technically incompetent as I am, I'm able to, you know, schedule things to come up on both Twitter and on, on, uh, on Facebook, or not Facebook, uh, on, uh, on, uh, on Blogger. Um, but but yeah, no, not many people did know who I was. Um, um, I did finally tell my parents um, in July, I think it was, because I was I was going to be interviewed in August by the Fifth Estate, um, and let them know that this was going to come out. I didn't know when it was going to come out. I didn't know when it was going to be uh, uh, when the documentary was going to come out. Uh, but I told them that when I did get word of it, I'll let them know. But this is what I've been doing for for a number of years. So just give you a bit of a heads up on it. And, Were you doing that anonymously, the fifth estate thing? Uh, sort of, uh, didn't quite work out. And I want to stress, it wasn't the fifth estate's fault. A lot of people have been blaming the fifth estate for, for my outing. It wasn't them. It, it really genuinely wasn't them. Um, some people said, well, they could have done a better job of potting your identity because we knew who it was, you know, as soon as they saw your eyes. I mean, I've got fairly deep set eyes and I've got sure. certain wrinkles around them now. Uh, so they said they knew it was you immediately, but I thought, well, yeah, but you know who I am. So yeah, yeah of course you're going to know that. But if you have no idea who I am, like, yeah, they, they would know. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I read that the person like that, I want to hear the story because I, I kind of, I thought I read that it was sort of somebody who had gained your trust. And I want to know, like, was this somebody that had been nefariously playing you this entire time? Or was there a falling out where they decided, screw it, I'm no longer on the same side as him and I'm going to out him? Can we hear that story? Sure. Um, so I mentioned the Heritage Front before, and there were two individuals who broke out of the Heritage Front. Uh, the first woman, uh, and there are two women, uh, the first woman uh, was the person who ultimately outed me. And I'm, I'm not going to go into too much details because she's, you know, particularly litigious as well. It doesn't matter if you tell the truth. Oh, I, I know who you're referring yeah. to. And I know the whole, Yeah, there's a whole lore behind that, that um, uh, listener you can Google, but. Yeah, but she is somebody who we were very good friends. Uh, we became good friends. Uh, I, I, I very much admired her. I still, to a degree, admire her, what she did to, to help take the organization down. Um, but yeah, we had a falling out ultimately. Um, uh, but yeah, she, she, um, was also in a dispute with the other person who broke out of the heritage front, um, claims about, you know, assuming her identity or, or, or stealing her identity for, uh, financial purposes, which was not true at all. Um, anyways, in fact, they, they lost a lawsuit. They lost the lawsuit, uh, then they yeah. lost the appeal, and they most recently lost the appeal via appeal. Right. Uh, yeah, so, I followed that somewhat. Yeah. Anyways, the um, uh, this other person who I we actually it's funny because uh, this other individual kind of connected us initially, but it was 
it, 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 there was there's a miscommunication so we, we we i kind of put her off of my I mean, she uh, but then she contacted me again we've become friends subsequently i i tweeted something or retweeted something that she posted and within minutes this other person was was attacking us both again um so it was obvious that this person was kind of watching our our tweet twitter accounts even though we blocked all the ones we knew all the sock puppets that she had you know we knew that we didn't block them all there there would be others but um but yeah um long story short in her lawsuit i was mentioned in it not as a as a person she was suing not as a person that she was uh you know even had anything to do with the case which was bonkers to begin with um it's proven to be bonkers but just as a malicious effort out me and uh it worked i mean there were she she got in touch well there were figures uh who we knew on the far right who she may or may not have known her on the far right i'll just you know i'll couch my terms that way um who she was in correspondence with uh and the day uh after the uh or the the night of the fifth estate when it came out essentially i was you know uh, i was outed essentially by by uh by a few people, um, you know, certainly one is a far right pseudo journalist who now has some connections with Diagolon. She also had members, uh, you know, some other individuals that she had connection with. Um, uh, Kim Bexty, uh, of formerly of Rebel, now of his own. Oh yeah, friend, friend of the show. Yeah, 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 friend of the show. <laughs> I, uh, I was actually at an event that he was at um, not that long ago, and he was standing right behind me, and I really wanted to just elbow him really hard and just be like, "What?" Oh, I didn't see you there. I, but, I, uh, I, I, I never, I never attended rallies, never attended events. I, that's one of the ways of keeping anonymous. But I did a few years ago. I went to one in 2020. It was um, an event in, Ed, in, uh, in Red Deer. Uh, people like Packing were there, Soldiers of Odin. Uh, the, uh, again, I'm, I'm, oh, the names are always so embarrassing. The Woke Ones Rebellion um, was there. <laughs> Make sure you spell it correctly, too. Yeah, with I a believe Z. it's O N E Z. Like, my God. <laughs> Uh, but Kim Bexty was there covering it because it was a big anti-racist march and these other, you know, hate groups were there and, you know, uh, and, you know, I was there, so I knew exactly what happened. Again, I, I saw how, how, how civil people were. They walked down the street. They actually picked up garbage along the way. Like they were, they were, they, uh, because of during COVID, uh, they had spray bottles to, uh, to, uh, uh, to sterilize, well, sterilize, to make things antiseptic, to, to clean off things. They were very careful about things. And of course, the uh, the broadcast came in that, you know, Antifa descend upon Red Deer, terrorize the community. Uh, they have bottles filled with strange liquid. We don't know what it was. It could have been for nefarious purposes. Again, like, dude, like, you were there. Like, you were in the midst. People knew who you were, and I felt in danger the whole time. We were walking by you. Like, I walked right by him. I had a really cool, like, leather mask kind of thing on because, you know, I had to be cool. Um, but we walked right by him, and, and he was chatting with his, 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 uh, his uh, uh, cameraman, and, and just, you know, he was obviously not under threat, but he, of course, has to sell. And people believe. I mean, it's, it's, it's embarrassing that, that uh, people do. But again, these are people who don't use their, as we said before, critical thinking skills. Like, does this make any sense even? Yeah, I mean, the, the rebel definitely preys upon people like that. And when, once you were outed, they kind of came after you, did they not? And and then the accusations of, of who you belong to and who you were working for. And I think even turning around uh, your own joke, G George Soros tweet against you, which 
is like, I think, a rite <laughs> of passage for anyone on yeah. this uh, side of it. You have to have been accused for being literal when you're making a George Soros joke. <laughs> well, the other one, too, is I had another Twitter account that I, 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 I set up years before i was interested in following with the the uh what was the events of iran in that were occurring in iran during the uh the protests against the the election that occurred uh, uh they were obviously falsified there was awfully sold an election and the young people were using twitter as a means of uh of uh, uh of you know getting information out but after after that i i used it very briefly as a personal one um and i i think i what i had i got really sick and I made a comment, I'm going to beat this cold like a redheaded stepchild. Um, and of course, he put out, he's talking about beating people because of the color of their hair. Like, no, it's an, it's a, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a funnier ex- joke from the 90s than it is yeah. now. Like, yeah, I think he may have taken personal offense. Yeah, that's right. He yeah. is it's a redheaded stepchild. I think the fact that I told that tells, says more about my, my, me about than anything else. And I'm kind of a, you know, very much in Scotland, Generation X. Um, <laughs> But yeah. but yeah, it was it was it was in some ways ridiculous, right? Well, many ways ridiculous. Um, the accusations were made. First of all, I mean claims that I was indoctrinating my students, and uh, you know during this whole episode, uh, the first two weeks, um, I made one. Uh, my my Facebook account is 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 shut is you know locked up pretty tight, um, but I made one public talking about the situation, talking about where my position is, uh, and what I did and what I do, and. You know the the members of the hate groups and the extremists were confident, positive that I was going to get fired or be forced to resign, um, and they were genuinely angry that uh, that I was getting as much support as I was from community, uh, from students. Now there are people in the community who, of course, don't support me, but uh, a lot of my former students. And doesn't that did, say a lot more about them than it does about you? I think so. I think it really does. And even in the community, uh, one of my very good friends, she had her son at a hockey game and she was sitting there and this was during the, you know, the, the worst of it. And she was listening to uh, the dads and they were talking to each other. And she knew that both of them were, they people, they vote conservative. They um, vote UCP in the, I think in the last uh, provincial election. Uh, and they were talking to each other. And one of the guys was saying, so this guy, they had no idea who I was. Uh, just as in uh, uh, that, I've been an interesting thing too, is that even in Drumheller, I, I I'm a very low profile. I don't make a I try not make a scene. I, you know, I I'm, go I'm very quiet here too. Yeah. Um. So not many people, unless you had even unless you had kids going to school, you really knew much about me. Um. But he was saying to this this friend of his, he was saying, so this guy is against racism, and I'm supposed to be mad at him for that? Yeah, I don't want to <laughs> run around town. I want to buy him a beer. So right. I was getting more of that than than it was the other. Uh, I certainly did get the um um. Some people like there's somebody put up a uh, a bunch of flyers in town uh, linking to the you know Kiwi Farms um, you know art- article about me um, uh, you know threat to your children all this kind of stuff um, and you know but but for the most part uh, most people were very supportive um, you know I did uh, it was stressful I mean it was weird though because I got very little directed towards me to. Uh, myself uh i got a few i got a few there's this one guy who I'm, I'm convinced must have been he had this kind of very heavy kind of new yorkish kind of accent and he said he, he sent me two phone calls on my staff uh, uh phone call uh, you know, basically calling me out saying i'm a 
And he called again and saying that I want, he wants me to send people out to him and he's going to put them all in body bags, which told me, so that means you're not coming here then because you want right. me to send people to you, which means you're just lazy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I'm going to murder everyone as long as you yeah, come to my as door. As long as they come to my door and knock <laughs> politely and, you know, yeah, just, it was ridiculous. But I was like being in the center of a hurricane where you see the chaos around you and you see your, and your friends, like my very good friends were dealing with all, like, um, I didn't read any of the negative things about me. All my friends said, don't touch those. We're going to collect them. We're going to keep them in case there's something that's an actionable threat. We'll send it to the uh, police. We'll, they, they, they basically saved my life in many ways in terms of just my mental health. Uh, because those first two weeks were awful. After that, uh, things slowed down. Uh, you know, the, there's the new shiny penny over there, you know, squirrel. Um, right. And then the pandemic, ironically, probably, you know, helped a lot as well. Because when you have a worldwide, you know, pandemic, there's less attention spent on this little rural high school teacher. Now, before we, sorry, go ahead, Jeremy. Just one quick thing. And then I want to yep. talk about the anti-hate network and sort of how that came together. Um were you surprised by the level of support you had within the community? Because I, you know, I mean, I don't live in Drumheller, but just knowing what I know about Drumheller, I, I wouldn't have necessarily thought that you would get um, as much support as um, you say you did. Well, I, I, a lot of the support came from people who knew me and knew that the characterizations that would be made about me weren't accurate. They weren't true. Like the idea of trying to doctrinate my students. Well, first of all, left, right or center, you know, being opposed to racism should just be a default. I mean, that should, that's not about indoctrination. That's just being a decent person. Um, I teach history. I teach, uh, you know, grade 12 social studies, all about ideological systems. We talk about this and I'm always, you know, down the center. I mean, as much as you can be. I mean, I, I don't doubt that students, in fact, I'm positive students know about my political biases, um, but I'm fair. I, I treat students who have different political views equally. I don't treat them any differently. So if I have a, a, a student who's a conservative who writes a great essay, they're going to get a great mark. The student who's a political leftist writes something that's not that good, they're not going to do that well. So you can't, you know, no, he's he's on the political left, so we're, we're just going to, you know, cater to him. I go, no, I actually care about what you write and what you think, and it's not authentic, then you're not going to do well. Um, Sorry, what, what do you teach? I don't, I don't think we covered that. Uh, I, teach I teach primarily English and social studies. Which includes me, history exactly, and anthropology. Exactly. And... It also includes a few options like foods options. And I did forensics options this year, which was fun. Just just before we move, Jerry, uh, let Jeremy go on to the Canadian Anti-Hate Network. I just want to, because it's a good place to insert something we were just talking about off air, right? Because you mentioned, and I think it's really worth the listeners hearing that when you were anonymous, you actually received more hate and vitriol your way than once you were outed. And I think it's important that we acknowledge because here we are three white cis males having a podcast talking about how little backlash we often get. We should acknowledge that it's very clear to us that it's because of what we look like that we don't receive that kind of vitriol and that kind of hate. And I just wanted you to talk about, about that because obviously it was worse than you were anonymous. And then I also read that it was your family um, and friends or family. I think you mentioned family, maybe parents that were getting messages of hate about you um, and, and what that was like to go through. Yeah, actually, there, I've got one actual concrete example of this in some ways too. So after I was doxxed, um, 
I was, um, you know, we go out for drinks on Fridays. That's you know, the staff thing that we do. Uh, not as many as we did in the past, but um, we still we still do this. And I was sitting there as the first one there, as I often am, because I like my beer. Um, and I was sitting there uh, and I heard some guy go, hey, you're that Phillips guy, right? I look over. That's me. I'm thinking, how's this going to play out? And he goes, I'm uh, blah, blah, blah. I'm the uh, the head of of the uh, yellow vests in Drumheller. And he looks at me like, you're bigger than I thought. Um, and it was a very pleasant conversation after that. Yeah, um, shocking. Yeah, but yeah. Um, but yeah, I, when I ran the blog, and I didn't dissuade free people from believing this, they could believe whatever they want, right? Uh, people believed I was a woman. And the amount of, of it was daily. I received almost daily uh, death threats, rape threats, um, you know, threats that what they do to me. Uh, it was just, it was really an eye opener, right? Uh, when I, uh, my sock puppets on Facebook or, or others, uh, there's one I actually do have is, 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 is a sock puppet of a woman, right? Um, it's very useful in that people who are on the far right, they, they're, dis they're, uh, uh, they're disarmed by it, but you also don't get as much information, but you also get a lot more, you know, honestly, dick pics, um, which Jesus is also Christ. telling too. Um, I mean, it, we were talking about this and how it, I will never know what it's like to be a woman, obviously. I'm a cis male. Uh, middle-aged, middle-class, you know, privileged. Um, that gave me at least a bit of an eye-opener as to what women have to put up with that I will never, ever have to experience. Uh, I will never have to worry about that. I will never have to worry about... I even talked to this about my, with my students. We're talking about... Uh, we were discussing um, uh, gender differences uh, in, in, in society as a result of, you know, you know discrimination and such. Uh, I said to the guy, so let's say it's two, this is my grade 12 class from years ago. Let's say it's two o'clock in the morning. Uh, you're leaving your friend's house. Uh, your, your car is, you know, uh, 200 meters across this uh, empty parking lot, but there are a few blocks, you know, dark spots. Uh, what do you do to prepare yourself? You know, well, you find your keys, you walk to your car, you go in. Okay, good. Girls, what do you do? You do this, you do this, you do this, you do this. And the guys are like, why would you do that? They had no idea. And we had to explain them explain to them why that was a thing that they would do. Uh, and it's a matter of safety. Again, I will never experience that. I'm a, a big, scary looking white guy. Um, but again, seeing that and seeing that, it was really precipitous, the drop too. Do I get a threat? I occasionally get threats. Very rarely these days. Most of the things I get are, term, are, are uh, you know, they're different. They're, they're, again, as a teacher and as doing this work, one of the uh, the go-to for many people in the far right is to call people pedophiles now. So I get that occasionally, um, which as a teacher isn't something you want to be on online, but you know, it's, it's, it's what it is, right? Uh, but I've never been, I haven't been threatened, been threatened to be raped. I haven't been threatened to be, you know, to be killed in the most vicious manner possible. Um, the last person who really uh, was threatening was a, a person who came to town to put up flyers calling me Professor Hate, which is just an awesome nickname for a supervillain. So if I ever do go supervillain route, that's going to be my name. Yeah, yeah it, it um, does. It, it it rings better than Professor Anti Hate. Meh. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I um. So uh, you know we we, we got to wrap up, um, but I wanted to ask how the Canadian not Canada, Canadian anti-hate network. I always get that mixed up. Uh, come together. Well, Evan and I had been in contact with some for some That's time. Evan, Evan Balgord. Evan Balgord, the executive director. And uh, he lives in GTA, right? Uh, yes, yes, yes. 
Um, so anyways, we've been in touch. We've been talking to each other. He was one for people who I, I identified myself to. He knew who I was. Um, uh, so did Bernie Farber. I, I knew him from a long time off. Uh, Richard Warman. Uh, Richard Warman was actually the very first person who, who knew who I was. In fact, he figured out who I was because you know, who else is kind of doing this work? Um, but anyways, we, we were talking and he was kind of floating the idea of eventually creating some sort of organization. I was always very supportive of it because I, I, I loved writing the blog and there was always a good purpose for it, but um, it's not particularly professional. Um, uh, it's, it's, I think uh, uh, Mac from, uh, from, uh, from Vice referred to as a janky looking blog and, and if he's being kind, um, but he, um, uh, he, he kind of talked about possibly professionalizing things. And, you know, I, I was in on the, the first meetings, the first phone calls about setting this up. And, you know, in, in, in 2018, the Canadian had it were set up. And it was very much a, a, a very small, uh, you know, the only employee, and he wasn't paid for the first, you know, he got a $2,000 stipend essentially, which, you know, he was basically living off the largest of his family who were very kind and supporting him. Uh, but for the first number of years, we, it was one person uh, with a board. Um, I wasn't yet on the board at that time. Um, but the one person was Evan or Evan, Bernie? yeah, oh. Evan, Evan, Evan. Um, but yeah, Bernie was uh, was a board member. Richard, uh, a few others were board members. Um, myself and Sue came on much later. Um, uh, Nigel came on a little bit after us. But it was a it was a very small operation. Even today, I mean, people. Uh, it's it's funny because people on the far right have, have claimed that Canadian Anti-Hate Network has gotten like a $45 million uh, grant from the government. Uh, we got a one-time grant of, I think, $280-ish thousand dollars. Uh, our, uh, we also got funding from uh, BMO, uh, Bank of Montreal, uh, for uh, $250,000. But that's been it. I mean, we're, we have, currently we have three full-time employees, Evan, uh, uh, Liz and, and Peter, and then we have uh, uh, one part-time researcher. Uh, so we punch above our weight. We, we, they, they do incredible work. Um, and I always say that, yeah, my God, if we had $45 million and we do what we do now, if we had $45 million, we, we would wipe them out. I mean, they, they wouldn't have a, they, they, we, we, they'd just be devastated. We would be able to take them out. Um, but we don't. Uh, so the fact that they, they are doing as well as they are, I think is incredible. But yeah, I, 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 it's always been kind of the inspiration for it. And when I was out, I mean, Evan and the other board members always said this, if this ever happens, you were going to slam you into a position on the board right away. So I was always very grateful for that. And, and they were very incredibly supportive as well. Evan, for example, helped me um, you know, write some, uh, you know, I guess you say press releases. Um, uh, because I was not really in a mental state to do a lot of writing at that point, although I, I think I did okay. Um, Bernie wrote a very kind letter that I published on my, my, my Facebook uh, account. Uh, uh, they were also willing, if I needed to have support with my employers, to talk to them. Um, so they were, they were very helpful in, in terms of keeping my uh, mental health you know, as stable as it was at that time. What's how does it differ just for our list so our listeners can sort of uh, see where it's evolved to or whatever? What kind of work is it doing in comparison to what you were doing before? Like, it, it are you guys? It's a journalistic approach to uh, outing racism and 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 promoting anti hate, right? 
It is. It's partly that, but in fact, that's the largest, most visible, visible part right now. But they've also created a toolkit for for high schools and, and schools to deal with. Well, when you see hatred in your in your schools, what do you do with that? And it gives you some pointers uh, and some tips on, well, this is a situation where you could do this, 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 and this. It's, it's really incredible. I, I don't know if it's been, uh, it's either going to be rolled out soon or it may have already been rolled out. Uh, so they do that. They're also working with um, uh, some government. So, for example, uh, they've been consulted with, I, I believe I'm accurate in this, uh, the Canadian Forces have consulted uh, with some of the members, uh, with uh, Bernie uh, or with Evan, uh, about hate, hate group individuals who are part of hate groups in, in, the, in the military. Um, and we've also been very, very critical of, of the number of who are there. Um, looks like the military might be taking this seriously again, which is, which is always positive. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's the journalistic approach is the most visible and um, it's been very effective too. So as an example of that, uh, Peter did an expose on, on ID Canada, which was previously known as Generation of Identity Canada, very much linked to the identitarian movement, Generation Identity in Europe. Um, he's able to infiltrate it and get the names of the people, get the people involved. I knew some of them, like Tyler, uh, one individual, I'm not gonna, I should, I'm not gonna name his name, he doesn't deserve it. Uh, but one of the individuals is a people, uh, the first leader of it was somebody who I was aware of when he was on Stormfront, when he was like a 14 year old. Um, you know, years later, now he's running this hate organization and doing work for Faith Goldie. Um, in any case, um, he was able to figure out who these people were, wrote the article, surprise, surprise, the organization kind of collapses. Um, so it's been very effective in, in dealing with some of these groups. And I know he's working on another uh, really incredible expose that when it gets published, it's going to, uh, it, it's some of the things that surprised me. Um, and, and he does incredible work. So does Liz, so does, uh, you know, uh, Hazel. They're, they're incredible assets. And I think they've done a lot of great work. And in some ways, I'm really glad that if I was doxed when I was, I was doxed when I was, because uh, just referring back to the technology, it has sort of left me behind a little bit. I mean, uh, I'm on Telegram and I do some work there, but Discord and some of the other ones, uh, I, I'm very much the, you know, the Steve Buscemi, uh, you know, get uh, hello fellow kids, where do we do some crime? Right. I'm kind of at that point now. I mean, people can see through me a lot more easily than they did in the past. Um, so that we have young people who are now engaged in this, who are able to do the work, are able to understand the technology. Um, I'm, I'm incredibly grateful for everything they do. Now, we've had you for like an hour and a little bit here, but are, do we have time to talk about Ottawa before we let you go? Oh, absolutely, yes. Because that was amazing what you were doing, doing during that time. And I'm just sort of curious as to how you pulled off doing that as a full-time teacher in, uh, at a Catholic school in Drumheller. How did you even get out of your gig to be part of that? Well, I, 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 it was, uh, again, again, I've used the term surreal a lot lately, but it was a surreal experience that time too. So um, uh, what I would do is on weekends, I would basically spend all Saturday and all Sunday working on it. Uh, so to those people who don't know, I, I created some rather lengthy uh, threads in the situation that was occurring there. And I did focus on a few groups and individuals. I mean, I could have probably focus a lot more like I didn't for example the baiters I didn't really focus a lot on them occasionally maybe a, a, a post or two a tweet or two but not much uh, uh, but I focused on a few key areas that I thought were, were important it would help to tell the story so on weekends I was I would do the work um, on Monday through Thursday 
I would wake up in the morning, go to school, do a full day's job, um, you know, have a very normal life as a teacher, and then come back and then go on to Telegram, go on to Facebook and uh, download videos, cut them up, uh, you know, uh, for, 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 so that, you know, people could actually see them on Twitter, uh, look for posts, screenshot, and just, you know, you know, for the period of close to a month, uh, that was kind of my life. Um, uh, on Fridays, I would do that as well. I would also go out for drinks because I am a human being and I need to do some sort of social thing. Uh, and then I would go from then to, uh, from the time I got home at around five o'clock or six o'clock to uh, two or three in the morning sometimes. Um, one of the other things too, some people made a notice that there were, are, there were posts that went up right away in the morning. When I said I was done for the day, what I did was I also posted and a, a, a scheduled to be uh, posted a, a series of, of, of tweets, so a tweet thread to start the day of what happened after I stopped, um, just to keep the ball rolling. Um, I mean, it yeah, felt it, like you were there. Like it, I, it's it's insane that you were able to be a full time teacher three provinces away while while pulling off that effort. So when I talked to you about coming on the show, uh, you were exhausted at, at the end of, of that. Um, but I kind of want to, because you talked, and maybe the Canadian Anti-Hate Network is taking enough of the role that you don't have to, but when you did close off ARC and, and move away from it, you, you said sort of, I reserve the right to, to bring this back or do what I need to do. Um, did Ottawa not give you like was Ottawa not an example of this is as bad like we need to deal with this uh on a united front and as many people going after these guys as possible is a good thing oh absolutely in fact I mean one of the things that surprised me was that um you know when I first started obviously there was a there was a uh, an appetite for it because I went from I it took me like when did I start my Twitter account it was like 2009 I think 2009 or 2010 and it took me until uh, January 2021 to get to like 9,200 uh, uh, viewers uh, or, or followers. Uh, during that event, I increased my follower uh, followers to you know almost you know yeah well, well tw- you know, more than 20,000. So you know it showed that there was actually people who were interested in this, which is a good thing. I- I'm glad people are paying attention. My my concern though is we always have a tendency to say, well, when it's over, it's over. Like. It's over. We don't have to deal with it anymore. Phew, We've solved this problem. Done. Thank goodness. Yeah. Crisis is over. And it's not over. It's never over. Uh, we always see these groups. We always see them, even in the past, where I often said they, were, they came in waves. So, uh, you know, like this, rise of hate groups, fall. But they, they never went away. They were always somewhere and just waiting for an opportunity, essentially. And my concern, of course, is we need to maintain this kind of vigilance. Um, and we need to be, you know, do the work to educate ourselves about it, too. Um, I'm, I'm really, there are a lot of people who've, who've come on to try to research and try to find out about these groups, which is really wonderful. But I think we also have to take, you know, uh, stock of what we know and what we don't know. We have to make sure we don't jump to conclusions. Um, for example, I saw in one case, um, you know, a person doing something, oh, that's a hate symbol. I go, no, no, that's not a hate symbol in that case. Uh, but there's this desire to jump on to everything's a hate symbol or everything's a hate group. Um, um, or related to something else. I, I think we need to be really careful. Again, use that critical thinking uh, to determine, well, what is accurate? What's not accurate? What should I publish? What should I wait on? Again, as you said, there's no need to be the first people out to get something out. I mean, is it an ego stroke? Sure, but 
you know, unless you're a clout chaser, then, you know, just do the work and the work should stand by itself. This uh, is the this is the big one. People always yeah. like read way too yeah. much. Well, and from I'm doing the okay again from Curtain Eyes generation, like that was it's. I mean, I've caught myself doing it on the show where you're like, Mo will be like, "We ready?" and I'll be like, "Yep," <laughs> you know, and but, it's like, "Oh yeah, right." So I mean, these are things of all. Yeah, I mean, a, a lot of it's contextual, right? I have yeah, to learn exactly. learn along with it. Yeah. Now, mm-hmm. the last thing I want to do before I let you go is kind of kind of combine your two things as a teacher doing some journalistic work, I want you to give a grade for me. So one of the things I read when you were getting ARC started was you had noticed that when the media, mainstream media would would cover a lot of, maybe some of these people that would get in trouble, they would cover the thing that they did, but they would uh, ignore or gloss over uh, the groups that they were with, the hate groups that they belonged to, the, the ideology that they espoused. Um, it was part of why you decided you needed to go out and do this. Obviously, Ottawa gave you an opportunity to do that on a grand scale at, in, a, in a very concentrated place where they're all here at once. Look at this. Can you give a grade to how the media covered Ottawa in your eyes um, and did the role that these hate groups played get the billing that it needed? Oh, that's been tough because there are some media that dealt with it very well, others not so much. Uh, as a whole, I'd give it probably about a C plus. I think it's improved. It's it's not where it should be at yet, um, but it's gotten better. I think there's still too much of a tendency, uh, and it's great the media is covering this. They're they're now aware that it exists, but I think there's there's still too much of a tendency to, uh, and for some of the media to say, well, we have to be black and white. We have to take no sides. Uh, and 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 not you know come out in favor of repose. Well, in my mind, journalism has always been about you know uh, t- truth telling uh, and getting information, accurate information out. And it it's not about walking a, fi- a line to say, well, not on this side, not on this side. This are just the facts. Well, the facts are important, but what do you read from those facts as well? And I, I've looked at some examples. So uh, there have been a number of, of smaller newspapers in Alberta that have covered the the coots. Uh, uh, situation with the the uh, uh, the recovery of the uh, the weaponry and then the links to Diagalon, which is despite their claims that no, it's just a meme country. It never was anything more than well, it it started as such, but not anymore. Um, they've just been reporting on the story. They haven't been reporting on the connections. They haven't been reporting on because again, that might be mean taking a side. And I think in journalism, you have to take sides and. Uh, year for years, years and years, there's always been this effort by someone on the, on the political right to paint the media as as having a left wing bias. And I think too many people in the media in positions of power have tried. Well, we want we don't want to have this accusation, so we need to make sure that we're we're just telling the facts. And ultimately, it doesn't matter because no matter what you're going to do, those same voices are going to say the same anyway. So why not tell the truth and be accurate? And and you know what does it they say? Uh, afflict the comfortable and comfort the afflicted uh, rather than just, you know, being a, a broadsheet where, you know, here's what happened. No, no commentary, no analysis. Well, and we had, so that leaves us with some media that's accused of being liberal quote unquote, uh, while spending all their time falling over themselves to be balanced and whatever for no reason. And then the rest of it is unabashedly fucking conservative and doesn't give a shit 
If you tell them that they are or accuse them of it or show the biases or explain to people that Post Media owns nine out of 10 news, daily newspapers in the country. Mm-hmm. So anyway, uh, yeah. Um, Jeremy, any final questions or thoughts for um, Mr. Phillips before we let him finally have his Saturday or Sunday? No, I, I got drunk. <laughs> I yeah I um you got brunch yeah I got brunch but um it was <laughs> awesome brunch. to uh talk to you Kurt and uh as always and uh yeah we'll have to have you back on next time uh the far right is uh up to its uh oh, usual tricks so like next month <laughs> yeah yeah Truly, we'll, though, we'll make it so a monthly on the show well, thank you. I always said that one day, I, I, my hope was that one day I'd be able to turn the blog into a beer appreciation blog. Uh, and I'm still, that's still a dream that will happen one day that we'll, we'll be able to say this is all, all over and that, uh, you know, we've solved this problem until that happens. Uh, we, we still have to be vigilant. Well, the next time vigilant. I come through Drumheller on the way to Edmonton, I'll uh, drink beer with you and give you reason to blog if you like. There you go. I will. I will drink beer with anybody. That sounds. That sounds good. Even I, I, I don't know what that right says people? about me. Like you're like, yeah, I'll drink with you because I'll drink oh. with anybody. <laughs> would anybody, you sure, like, why not? anybody like? Would you That's drink right. beer with Jeremy McKenzie? Would I drink beer with Jeremy McKenzie? That's an interesting topic. Um, I'd pour beer on him. <laughs> Jeremy, I think Jeremy McKenzie is an interesting cat. I mean, he is somebody who's got a charisma about him, and if he was not the person he was. Um, and didn't have the views he was, he, I could see people being drawn to him and having that big personality. Um, would I drink with him? It would be a very tense uh, session, I'll just say. Yeah. I definitely want to be uh, a fly in your beer on that one anyway. Uh, folks, it's the time in the show where we thank those of our patrons who go way above and beyond. Um, uh, to Farah Chaudhry, to Nicola DiNicola, to Chris Derwold, to Dave Bonmiller, to Darius Beregard, and to Big Red Machine. You guys keep us going. To other patrons and listeners, uh, we couldn't do this without you. Um, this has been a really uh, amazing interview. We really enjoyed having Kurt. Um, we hope you guys enjoyed it. Share with your friends um, and uh, help keep this anti-hate voice going. We'll see you guys next week. Have a great week.